Soulmates, we have plenty to converse about on this Wednesday, December 21st. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across Black America and the stories that impact our people. You know we're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's uh, check in with today's top headline. Justice is served. Fort, uh, former Fort Worth police officer Aaron Dean will spend more than 11 years in prison for killing Tatiana Jefferson. Verdict reads, we the jury, having found the defendant Aaron York Dean guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of the offense of manslaughter, assess his punishment at confinement in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for 11 years, 10 months, 12 days. Aaron Dean showing no emotion as he was sentenced to nearly 12 years behind bars for the shooting death of Tatiana Jefferson in 2019. She was shine in the darkest darkest situations. Jefferson's cousin, Cerise Fortson, and her sister, Ashley Carr, had final words for Dean just moments after the verdict. That you saw fit to take her from this undeserving world. Thinking you would, her life would leave with her. That's what you thought. But I want you to go to your cell knowing that her light is only transferred. Afterwards, Dean's sister was seen speaking with Dean's attorneys while his parents stood silently behind her. The family left the courtroom together, making no comments to reporters. James Smith, the neighbor who called the non-emergency number to report the open doors at Jefferson's mother's home and a witness in trial spoke briefly. I'm still processing it. But the max is what I was looking for, but we're satisfied with the verdict. Prosecutors Ashley Adiner and Dale Smith reflected on trying their first case involving a police shooting. It was not our intent to put Fort Worth Police Department on trial. We put this defendant on trial. And while both say they would have preferred a murder conviction, they're satisfied with the roughly 12 hours over the course of two days jury spent on deliberations. They made a thoughtful decision, and that is the cornerstone of the American justice system. And so we really appreciate all the hard work they did. Dean must serve at least half of his sentence before he's eligible for parole. And because the jury sentenced him to more than 10 years, he will not be able to get out of prison if he chooses to appeal the conviction. Am I relieved that this is over for the family? I am happy that they are happy and they're relieved. Defense attorneys Bob Gill and Miles Brissette did not address reporters after the sentencing. Jurors finally free to go Tuesday afternoon with bags in hand after being sequestered Monday night for a second time during the trial. The symbolism of their sentence not lost on both the prosecution and Jefferson's family and supporters. They haven't quite figured it out yet, but I think they uh, did that on purpose. 11 years for the current age of Jefferson's nephew, Zion Carr, 10 months and 12 days representing October 12th, the date Jefferson was killed. Her family, supporters and community activists determined to keep her spirit alive. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> Aaron Dean, you ain't stopped nothing. You ain't stopped nothing. He's your prisoner, Sheriff. 
Okay, the jury reached the unanimous decision on the sentence after a day and a half of deliberations. Atlanta police report that in the, just in the span of just three weeks, four children between ages 11 and 16 have been killed, forcing Atlanta Mayor Andre Dinkins to speak up. Dinkins says that the recent trend is unacceptable. According to reports, the most recent shooting took place Saturday evening at the apartment complex when two teens were killed and three others were injured. Community leaders are working with Mayor Dinkins on solutions to the violence, with some community leaders recommending a nightly curfew until violence curbs. All right, so let's go to Ohio now, where it's just a disturbing story as one child has been located and another is still missing after two five-month-olds five were abducted from a restaurant parking lot. This happened Monday night in Columbus. The person of interest believed to have taken the car has been identified as 24-year-old Nala Jackson, who you see here pictured, and those are the twins on the other side. Now, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the mother of Kaysan and Kayer, uh, Thomas walked into a restaurant right around 9.45 p.m. on Monday while her car was running with the twin boys in their car seats. When she turned around, her vehicle, which is a four-door black 2010 Honda Accord, was gone. Now, anyone with information regarding Kaysan's whereabouts is asked to contact the Columbus Police Department or Central Ohio Crime Stoppers. That number is 614-461-TIPS, as you see at the bottom of your screen there. A missing Clayton County girl who was believed to be in grave danger has been located by police. The 11-year-old was reported missing after she ran away from, from home on Tuesday. Fox's Deidre Dukes has the latest. Clayton County Police announced the 11-year-old had been located just hours after holding a news conference asking for the public's help in finding the child. Fox 5 was there as the child's mother was reunited with the girl at Clayton Police Headquarters. Police held a news conference Friday morning, just hours before they announced she had been located to update the public on the search for the child. We want to thank all of our law enforcement partners that are currently assisting us uh, with this case. Police officials said they believe the girl was with an adult she met on social media after she slipped out of her Jonesboro residence with a bag Tuesday afternoon. They couldn't say whether that individual was a man or woman, but they believed she was in grave danger. Detectives thought she was still in Georgia and were working with federal authorities to try to find her. They had a message for the person she was believed to be with. The advice uh, to the adult is to please, please bring Arkela Briggs home to her parents. Um, they miss her. They want her home. Just after two, officials announced the child had been found, was in police custody, and had been reunited with her family. Several local and federal agencies worked with Clayton police to find the girl. Officials aren't saying whether or not a suspect is in custody or has been identified. In Jonesboro, Deidre Dukes, Fox 5 News. Our thanks to Deidre Dukes. Uh, police didn't explain where she was found or if she was with anyone. We're working to learn if anyone has been arrested 
uh, in the investigation and we'll keep you updated on the story. Courtney, this has mm -hmm. uh, got to be a parent's worst nightmare here. Yeah. Um, but it's also a cautionary tale uh, around the use of social media. This 11-year-old mm -hmm. was apparently um, sort of reeled in mm -hmm. by uh, an adult on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just another reminder to parents that uh, you know we gotta be watchful of who kids are engaging with on social media because uh, this story could have been a whole lot worse. And here's the thing, as the story uh, began to break, and of course, you know, folks across social media have had their opinions, especially uh, once the parents voiced their concerns and was pleading for their daughter back. I remember reading in a lot of the comments uh, about how credible the parents were. And I just, I just think it also speaks to how um, questionable we have a tendency to be uh, when these stories uh, hit the scene and how sometimes we just need to wait a moment and, and gather more facts because it, it clearly uh, is, is being um, revealed here that she was taken um, or lured into a situation by uh, an adult, which is which is a, a crime, uh, according to what we saw in that report. So, you know, just, you know, I, I know we like to voice our opinions on social media. I just was a little disturbed by folks thinking that the parents were, weren't credible enough, maybe because they didn't look a certain way or mm -hmm. sound a certain way. But obviously, uh, this case was what they said it was. Was, and we're glad that this little girl is back at home. But let's um, let's um, let's be careful before we pass judgment on what we think or what we believe something may be. That's right. Yeah. All righty, to Los Angeles now, where former NFL star Willie McGinnis posted bail hours after he was arrested and charged with assault with a deadly weapon over the weekend. Now, the former linebacker turned himself into the L.A. County Sheriff's Station in West Hollywood. Reports say McGinnis was recorded striking a man in the face and eventually hitting him with a bottle during a fight at a nightclub on December 9th. McGinnis spent 15 years in the NFL with the uh, New England Patriots and the Cleveland Browns after playing college football at USC. In a new lawsuit filed by the Mississippi branch of the NAACP, the state is being accused of perpetuating a legacy of racial discrimination because lawmakers failed to draw enough majority black districts for the state house and Senate. The Mississippi NAACP and five black residents of Mississippi filed the suit in federal court in Jackson, challenging districts that are scheduled to be used in the 2023 election. Now, the suit comes six weeks before candidates qualifying deadline of February 1st. The suit says redistricting plans for the 122-member House and 52-member Senate will dilute the voting power of black people in a state with the largest percentage of black residents. Okay, let's go to the nation's capital now as congressional leaders released a bipartisan government funding bill that includes a rewrite of federal election laws aimed at preventing another January 6th style attack and cutting off ways for future candidates to steal elections. They expect to pass the the bill in the coming days to avoid a government shutdown slated to begin this weekend. It is the product of lengthy negotiations between the two parties and has President Biden's support. The Senate is hoping to make their deadline of December 23rd to pass a $1.7 trillion plan that will fund the government through September of next year. Now, both Senate leaders back the bill, but some Republicans are adamant they will kill the legislation if it's not passed this week. The city of Durham, North Carolina, will pay $100,000 to the family of a black teen 
who accused a white police officer of using excessive force and falsely arresting him in 2019. Tony Scott Jr. was 16 when he said the officer picked up and body slammed him inside a convenience store, an incident that upended his life. Scott faced two felony assault charges after the incident, which his lawyers alleged was a frame job. Prosecutors dropped the charges four months later. The Durham City Council approved the settlement in a closed session. Taxpayer money was used to pay the settlement as the insurance policy only kicks in above a million dollars. And moving on to Georgia, Stacey Abrams' gubernatorial campaign for 2022 is coming under a microscope as stories are surfacing of alleged wasted spending. Now, the reports alleged that these issues were forcing the campaign to tighten its belt in the crucial final weeks and cut off paychecks to staffers sooner than they expected. Now, it has been confirmed by Abrams' campaign manager that the campaign owes more than $1 million in her unsuccessful rematch in November against Governor Brian Kemp. University Academy at Kansas City Charter School has fired a white history teacher whose students say repeatedly used the N-word during class, sparking widespread outrage. Students and alumni brought forward concerns about Johnny Wolf, a history and African-American studies teacher. They said Wolf used the racial slur multiple times in his class, mostly made up of black students. Students took videos and voice recordings while confronting their teachers about his use of the slur, which were later posted by the Kansas City Defender, a black nonprofit community media platform. In the recordings, he defends his use of the slur, saying that, quote, we cannot police other people's speech and he was speaking in an educational context. University Academy officials said in a letter to families that the teacher had been terminated and will not return to the school. Now here's a follow-up to a story you may be familiar with as the video went viral. Administrators at Winston-Salem State University, that's an HBCU, have pledged to, quote, bring a resolution after a black student was arrested in a white professor's classroom following a verbal altercation. Chancellor Elwood L. Robinson said in a letter, quote, we understand that the weaponization of police is a prevalent problem in our community. However, that is not what happened in this incident, end quote. That's according to the university faculty page. Uh, the teacher is an assistant professor of history and Middle Eastern studies. Robinson said while students want immediate answers, the university has to complete its own procedures for an investigation, but promises a fair examination of what exactly happened. The city of Milwaukee believes the United States Census underestimated the number of residents living in the city in 2020 by nearly 16,000, leaving black residents in search for funding. But the mayor is challenging the results. Amelia Jones has the latest. Every 10 years, the U.S. Census Bureau records population data. The most recent took place in 2020. The reported number of 577,000 was simply not accurate. To challenge the 2020 census, the city analyzed the number of housing units. The Census Bureau undercounted housing units and mistakenly overcounted 
vacant properties. The city's IT division reviewed the city's master address list. It found the 2020 census undercounted the number of housing units by more than 2,300. This undercount has significant impacts on the census population of cities like Milwaukee, where a majority of our residents are people of color. Milwaukee will feel the impact in federal funding. If the challenge isn't approved, Mayor Johnson says the city could lose $7 million in grants that fund programs for affordable housing and community development programs. Plus, Mayor Johnson says Milwaukee public schools like Bradley Tech could lose up to $14 million in funding from Title I funds, impacting programs like after-school activities and free lunches. Every dollar matters to our residents. Milwaukee challenged a census population count in 2007. The city won. The population was adjusted by 30,000, about the same size as Mequon. We're here to set the record straight. The U.S. Census Bureau looks at census challenges on a first-come, first-served basis. There's no time frame on when Milwaukee's will get reviewed. In Milwaukee, Amelia Jones, Fox 6 News. At this point, it's not clear when the Census Bureau will respond to the challenge. Taking a census is such a huge undertaking, and, I, and I've often wondered when they come around, are they really counting every single uh, citizen, in particular uh, your, your, your minority groups, uh, specifically us? Uh, I just feel like, you know, we continue to get missed, and what that does is that leads into, like the package stated, just being shortchanged for all the many different uh, programs and assistance uh, that we need, um, you know, uh, health and, and of course, uh, the schools and, and you know, uh, undermining their budgets, which brings us back to, to your point about about schools. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the stories coming out of Winston-Salem and coming out of Kansas City, I think they just underscore that uh, our school climate mm -hmm. uh, and student safety isn't what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, how many stories have we reported on this week and just even in recent weeks mm -hmm. about uh, you know, uh, altercations with with teachers and with law enforcement uh, uh, in schools. Uh, we know that there is a lot of anti-black sentiment, uh, anti-black hate mm -hmm. uh, that's going around, and uh, we're seeing it manifest on uh, our school campuses uh, uh, in all parts of the country. And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think this is something that we've got to pay extra close attention to uh, before things really get out of hand. I would agree. I would agree with that and, and, and partner and couple that with being counted for. So, you know, when those senses come around, uh, you know, make sure you take some time out uh, to read and fill out and send back in um, so we can be counted every, just like they were talking about how our votes are important. You know, each one of you is important so we can get um, what we need and really what we deserve as 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 paying uh, citizens yeah. who pay taxes, who expect you know state and city and and nationwide services. And the census is really all about unlocking resources, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're not counted, you know, then when it comes to allocating resources, you know, the powers that be, you know, believe that we don't exist, That's and so right. they allocate resources to other communities. And we need a lot more resources in our schools to handle the the issues related to school climate and safety. Uh, we need that quick, fast, and in a hurry. That's a good point, good point. Still ahead, the latest surrounding Trey Song. My goodness, we'll break it all down for you. When we return, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report.
Trey Songs has voluntarily turned himself into the New York Police Department to answer for allegedly assaulting two people at a bowling alley in November 2022. Now, according to TMZ, the woman is employed at that bowling alley and knew who Trey Songs was. There is no word as to how they wound up in the bathroom together, either through invitation or one followed the other in. But the woman said that Songs became violent. She was taken to the hospital where staff reportedly substantiated that she was in fact injured. Songs, who has been the object of a number of sexual abuse accusations in recent years, denies any wrongdoing. His legal team says that they are, quote, confident that Trey will be fully cleared of any wrongdoing. Before you show up at the airport this holiday travel season, please note what not to do. In the latest installment of Adults Behaving Badly, a woman in Miami ripped out a computer monitor and chucked it at a gate agent. Mm. This week at Miami International Airport, a woman completely lost her cool and took it out uh, on an American Airlines staff person oh, in the middle oh, of a crowded oh. gate area. Eventually, getting her hands on a computer screen and throwing it at the agent. She's said to have caused about $10,000 in damages and the gate agent, well, they reportedly suffered a bruised shoulder in the incident. According to a report, the woman was ultimately arrested and charged with disorderly conduct, criminal mischief, and aggravated battery. And probably put on a no-fly zone ever again list. My goodness. Two former Twitter employees announced the creation of a new social platform. It's called Spill, designed as an alternative uh, catering to culture drivers and serving as a refuge for creators from black Twitter. Now, the Spill app, named for the phrase Spill the Tea, will use blockchain to compensate users for popular posts and will include a feature called Tea Parties. That's where users can gather online in real life to connect. Co-founders Alfonso Terrell and Devaris Brown bonded over being black employees while working at Twitter. This sounds like a great idea. Called a uh, cultural force to be reckoned with by The Guardian, black Twitter is at the heart of many uh, viral digital cultural moments, as well as real world social movements like hashtag Black Lives Matter, Say Her Name, and Oscars So White. That's right. All right, good for them. Mm -hmm. Tiffany Wright, a black woman, has filed a lawsuit against her former employer alleging a white coworker told her to, quote, go back to Africa, and that she was pressured to take better care of the full paying white students. Mm -hmm. According to an article published this week by the Daily Beast, the 2019 incident happened when Wright was working as a teacher at New Roads School in Santa Monica, California. The lawsuit claimed the $43,000 a year private prep school failed to stop harassment, wrongfully terminated her, and fostered a hostile work environment. An excerpt from her filings read, quote, as is true with many organizations that project a certain image or identity, New Roads was completely different from what it claimed to be. 
Let's uh, revisit that Mark Curry story as two hotel employees accused by the comedian of racial profiling have been suspended pending further investigation. That's according to a spokesperson for the mining exchange in Colorado Springs, a franchise of Wyndham Resorts and uh, Hotels. Curry, who starred in ABC's Hanging with Mr. Cooper from 1992 to 97, said he was drinking coffee in the hotel's lobby when an employee asked him whether he was a guest. He also informed him that the lobby was private. Now, according to the video Curry shared with his over 200,000 Instagram followers, in a post of Curry's video, Curry's former a castmate, Holly Robinson Peace, tweeted, quote, there was no reason for Mark to be singled out except for the fact that he's a black man. Since when do you ha have to identify yourself sitting in the lobby drinking coffee? That's the end of that quote. Billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban says it's not a matter of if his online business will sell low-cost insulin, but when. The Inflation Reduction Act's $35 per month cap on the out-of-pocket cost of insulin goes into effect in January, but it's only for older people on Medicare. That leaves behind millions of younger people with diabetes in the U.S. who need the drug to live. Now, Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drug Company is considering a test program for insulin that would offer a 90-day supply of insulin or a total of 12 vials for $170. Exorbitant drug prices, experts say, are a key reason many people in the U.S., including those with cancer or diabetes, are forced to skip or delay filling their needed prescriptions. In a majority vote, state regulators approved a Georgia power rate hike, leaving many black, businesses, black business owners upset. Here's the very latest. Javante Walker doesn't like what Georgia Power is cooking up. It's a bad call. Walker owns No Sauces Smokehouse Barbecue in South Fulton. He says Georgia Power's upcoming rate hike will take a bite out of his budget. He says a business owner is going to hurt. How much could it hurt you? Uh, I mean, significantly, significantly down the road because, you know, it's going to increase over time. Tuesday, the Public Service Commission approved a $1.8 billion rate increase for Georgia Power. That's less than the $2.9 billion the utility asked for, but a lot more than the half a billion the PSC staff recommended. Anywhere that there's money being taken away from, it, it would hurt us. Rhonda Scott runs Young Leaders Academy right next door to the smokehouse. She says the rate hike could force her to charge more at the daycare. It's going up, so that means if, if they're raising their rates, then we'll have to raise our rates to cover the cost. The average residential customer will see their rates go up $3.60 next month, or about 2.8%. 4.5 percent more in 2024 and another 4.5 percent in 2025. By then, that average customer will be shelling out an additional 16 bucks a month. Georgia Power says it needs the money to improve the electrical grid, but don't tell that to Scott. A rate hike is a rate hike. The plan means the average Georgia Power customer will pay almost $4 a month more for electricity. This all starts January 1st. And this is something, Nikortala, uh, that is happening across the board, because uh, I remembered here in Detroit, uh, the company is uh, DTE. Mm -hmm. uh, and they asked for, I want to say, maybe about six, anywhere from 60 to $80 million. Uh, They were giving a, given a $30, min, a $30 million uh, dollar increase, which is going to come up to about maybe 2 or $3 
$3 more uh, in electric bills for uh, customers. But that 2 and $3, like the packet said, over an amount of time is very, very costly. And mm -hmm. and as, as far as the fallout, everybody has to, has to quote, unquote, literally pay for it. You just heard the uh, owners saying that they might have to up their prices in order to be able to maintain. So this is, you know, the trickle-out effect uh, and, and down effect is... Um, it's unavoidable. And to your point about the trickle-down effect, I mean, you know, that two or three dollars is compounded mm -hmm. because not only are energy bills more expensive, but you know that means that the price of groceries are more expensive, mm -hmm. and you know the price of other goods and services become more expensive, and so we all end up paying so much more whenever energy prices goes up. And we know that you know for folks in our communities, mm -hmm. uh, that that can be uh, cost prohibitive That's when right. it comes to uh, certain uh, basic needs that we have. And so that, this is sort of an example of, you know, uh, black folks not winning when energy costs go up. But uh, there were a few stories here of black mm. folks winning. Mm -hmm. And one of them was uh, the story of the co-founders of Spill. A yeah. lot of people are excited about this new app that's going to be available as early as January. I'm ready. These former black Twitter employees saying, you know what, we're going to go out, we're going to create our own thing. And it's going to be un unapologetically and, marketed and to black it. folks and the queer creators. This is fantastic. Creating it from the inside out as they came from the very uh, app that we're, you know, looking to possibly vacate. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be catered quite nicely, especially in particular, like the story read it to black Twitter because we have held Twitter down. Well, I can't wait for us to <laughs> launch our... To understand that. I, I can't wait for us to launch our Foxhole Black Report on Spill Oh. in the new year. Okay, our account. How about That'll that? That'll be hot. That'll uh -huh. be hot. Alright, still ahead, what's expected for Title 42 now that lawmakers have it in limbo? That's right. We're going to tell you what's being done to help those stuck at the border. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. If you're just joining us, how about if we run back today's top headlines, starting with justice being served as former Fort Worth police officer Aaron Dean will spend more than 11 years in prison for the killing of Atatiana Jefferson. Dean was convicted of manslaughter earlier this month. Now, in 2019, the former officer shot through a window and killed Jefferson while responding to an open structure call at Jefferson's mother's home. One child has been located and another is still missing after two five-month-olds were abducted from a restaurant parking lot Monday night in Columbus, Ohio. The person of interest believed to have taken the car has been identified as 24-year-old Nala Jackson that you see here. Now, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the mother of Kaysen and Kayer Thomas walked into a restaurant right around 9.45 p.m. on Monday while her car was running with the twin boys in the car seat. Uh, when she turned around her vehicle, a four-door black 2010 Honda Accord was gone. So we'll keep an eye out for that baby. In a new lawsuit filed by the Mississippi branch of the NAACP, the state is being accused of perpetuating a legacy of racial discrimination because lawmakers failed to draw enough majority black districts for the state house and Senate. Now the Mississippi NAACP and five black residents of Mississippi filed the suit 
lawsuit in federal court in Jackson, challenging districts that are scheduled to be used in the 2023 election. Now, the suit comes six weeks before candidates qualify, deadline of uh, February 1st. Now, the suit says redistricting plans for the 122-member House and the 52-member Senate will dilute the voting power of black people in a state with the largest percent percentage of black residents. And lastly, the city of Durham in North Carolina will pay $100,000 to the family of a black teen who accused a white officer of using excessive force and falsely arresting him. This happened back in 2019. Tony Scott Jr. was only 16 when he said the officer picked up and body slammed him inside of a convenience store, an incident that upended his life. Scott faced two felony assault charges after the incident which his lawyers allege was a frame job. Prosecutors dropped the charge four months later. The Durham City Council approved the settlement in a closed session. Taxpayer money was used to pay the settlement as the insurance policy only kicks in above $1 million. Nick Quarterly, back to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now, uh, the future of Title 42 remains unclear after today's expiration date was postponed by the U.S. Supreme Court. The Trump-era policy, which stops asylum seekers from entering the U.S., was originally created to stop the spread of COVID. But now, some GOP states are asking for it to stay in place. The future of Title 42 remains in limbo, and so do the countless migrants waiting at the U.S.-Mexico border. We want to know what will happen to us. They don't let us through, and we're here freezing to death. This after more than a dozen GOP-led states requested the Supreme Court keep the Trump-era policy in place after it's set to expire Wednesday. Back in 2020, former President Trump imposed the rule letting officers along the border turn migrants away to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Since March of 2020, migrants have been denied the right to seek asylum at least 2.5 million times. They're not just leaving so that they can get a few thousand more dollars a year in a job or buy a nicer car. They're leaving because their lives are usually threatened. The Department of Justice, in the meantime, requesting a temporary delay on the expiration. The Biden administration also vying for a delay, asking the Supreme Court to keep the policy in place until after Christmas, giving officials time to transition back to pre-pandemic border policies. We will go back to Title VIII, uh, which allows for a process to make sure that people can have their own asylum claims heard. Meanwhile, in border towns like El Paso, Texas, food banks already helping to feed migrants are preparing for an even larger influx of people should Title 42 be lifted. We are hearing from the federal government as well as uh, local municipality and county governments that they are expecting five to 6,000 migrants a day coming across our border needing support. It could be as high as over 10,000 a day. Now the Texas National Guard has been called in to help the city cope with the growing crowd. More than a thousand people joined a demonstration in a suburb of Liberia's capital protesting over economic hardships and President George Way's prolonged absence from the country. Anger over the government's management of the economy has grown as Liberians grapple with rising food and fuel prices linked to the Ukraine war and fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of the protesters wore shirts printed with the face of Alexander Cummings, who is challenging Way for the presidency 
ahead of a 2023 election. Others held banners reading, we are tired of suffering. President Wei has been out of the country since the end of October, during which time he visited Qatar to watch his son, Timothy, play for the U.S. Uh, team in the World Cup and attended the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit in D.C. Speaking of the World Cup, France's soccer superstars Kingsley Coman, Rando Colomini, and Aurelian Cha Amini were allegedly the subject of racial abuse online following the team's loss to Argentina in the World Cup. Coman and Chuamini missed their opportunities to score in the penalty shootout while Colomuani was stopped in added uh, time in the second half on a remarkable play from Argentina. Uh, the goalkeeper Chuamini and Mulani briefly disabled their social media accounts after they were flooded with awful comments and monkey and banana emojis. English players took a knee before the start of their World Cup match against the U.S. late last month. Uh, UEFA, the governing body of soccer in Europe, announced in July it would partner with social media companies in order to remove harmful content and raise awareness about online abuse targeting players. It sounds like some countries uh, get it. Uh, some countries don't. Uh, I was pretty much rooting uh, for France only because they have a, a myriad of, of players who, who come uh, from Africa. And, you know, here's the thing. It's, you know, listen, if, 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 if they wanted us to go back to Africa, you know, there would, there would just be no, there'd be no NBA, there'd be no NFL, uh, you know, there'd be no, 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 no seasonings, um, you know, the innovations that, that uh, uh, Africans and African-Americans have come with and the advancement of this country. And then, uh, like we alluded to a little earlier, social media would be dry. I mean, so let's do away with this whole idea of, you know, go back to Africa or, or um, uh, teasing the origins of someone being from Africa and really just respect everybody's uh, homelands. We go back to that story mm -hmm. where the uh, woman over in England uh, kind of badgered, if you will, racial slurs towards a, a black woman. They're asking her where she was from and, and why this whole idea of being from Africa or the whole idea of being African-American, why does that continue to be questioned and badgered? You know, not only here in the States, but obviously worldwide. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's just tired. It's so <laughs> it tired. It is tired. Right? It really the whole is go tired. back to Africa you thing. You don't want us I mean, to go back to Africa. That's something, you that's something that I heard growing up is something that my dad, who it's actually was born and raised in Ghana, is something that he heard when he came uh, to, to the United States. Uh, it's something that we've, that my mom heard uh, when she was growing up in the South during the Civil Rights Movement. And so it is so tired. It, it is, it is it time is. for people to, uh, to sort of wake up you know, and recognize that we are just as American That's right. uh, as anybody else, That's right. you know, and uh, we can be unapologetically, you know, black and be right and rooted and right here. And for some African-Americans, we, right we wouldn't even know where to go back to unless we've done some tracing. So let's just stop with that. You're right. Tired. Yeah, tired. Uh, but you know what? I'll tell you who's not tired. Hmm. Reverend Barber. Let's go. That's right. Former NAACP leader Reverend Barber will head up the Yale Divinity School, their new center for theology and public policy, which aims to bring moral teachings into public policy and movement work. Reverend Barber stated, uh, quote, I'm excited to move from pastoring, that is, 35 years of pastoral ministry with the congregation uh, uh, to pastoring the movement with this center. 
According to Yahoo, the goal of the center, which will open in 2023, is to train a new generation of students and movement leaders on the history, philosophy, and practice of transformative social justice movements with a grounding in theology. We certainly love to see it. That's right. To Richmond, Virginia, where the former Confederate capital has secured an $11 million grant to build an interpretive center that the city uh, hopes will someday be part of an ambitious memorial campus honoring the memory of enslaved people. Richmond's grant is among more than 60 million in total funding the Mellon Foundation uh, that is providing to recipients in Virginia's capital city for the projects that are, quote, examining, preserving, and reimagining its rich historical narratives. The New York-based nonprofit told the uh, AP this. Now, among the other grant recipients are a public art project, a museum, and an initiative uplifting the story of a historically black neighborhood. Looking forward to that. Five Black-owned and Black-led businesses have received below-market loans from the Columbus Foundation as a part of a new initiative to close the racial wealth gap in Central Ohio. According to the Columbus Dispatch, the foundation made available $2.6 million in low-interest loans for the five minority-owned businesses, uh, Aventi Enterprises, uh, and I Embedded Services, the Mezzanine Fund, uh, Prospera Advisory Group, and our, hospita our hospitality group, uh, which launched Marvin's Lounge. Uh, yes, they were all beneficiaries, and that's wonderful. According to Black Enterprise, the Black-led businesses are the first to receive the funding from the foundation's new Equitable Small Business Fund in an effort to maximize access to capital and services for entrepreneurs entrepreneurs of color. So let's uh, dip into a little bit of black girl magic as they headline the Miss America 2023 pageant after competing in the 95th Miss America pageant. Two black women finished in the top five advancing through several categories that included a job interview, social impact pitch, red carpet wear. So Taryn Delaney Smith, a title winner of Miss New York 22, took home the title as first runner up for the Miss America 2023 competition. Miss Georgia Kelsey Hollis, who's a current student, was also amongst the top five ladies who advanced to the final round of the competition and finished as fourth runner up. So these ladies may not have won the overall title, but their presence and those top rankings of Miss America was noticed and celebrated. And it is black girl magic to the to the umph degree. And we are proud. Let me just say, and this is why we can't go back to Africa, because we're so busy <laughs> Uh, winning Miss America and coming in <laughs> top five Miss America. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so uh, really, we love to see it. We love to see it. I mean, what a difference some time makes. I remember when uh, we were glad to have, mm -hmm. you know, a black woman mm -hmm. that made it to the top mm -hmm. uh, in consideration for Miss America. Um, and now to see, you know, five really beautiful, dynamic yes. black women. These, these women aren't just, yeah. you know, really uh, amazing to look at, mm -hmm. but uh, they're well-rounded. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if you read their bios, 
you know, there's a lot about them that makes us proud. And, and it's, so, a, it's a step up, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, from last year's uh, placing in a few different pageants. I remember one, two, and three. Uh, everybody was one, but in, in three separate huge pageants. I want to say Miss America was a Miss Universe and Miss Teen. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them uh, won uh, last year. I remember those three black women uh, being um, crowned all pretty much right around the same time. So uh, that progress uh, continues yeah. again, and it, it goes back to representation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that most of the world in, in not too long will be of color to, yeah. so, to some shade or an extent. So it's it's an in, in inclusivity as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, the majority of the world is people of color anyway, but mm -hmm. I just love the fact that the next generation mm -hmm. are growing up seeing... Mm, this happen. Right, and it's normalized for them, yeah. seeing black women make it to the top, yeah. you know, on a lot of different lists, not yeah. just Miss America, but a lot of different and lists. a black president from, you know, a few years ago. That was amazing. A black vice president. So it's, it's happening. Female. That's black right. President. We, keep, we can keep we going. Can keep going. <laughs> but you know what? We've got more. Coming up, paying tribute to black trailblazers we've lost too mm. soon. Plus, more entertainment news when we return. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Sad news tops our entertainment segment this evening. Sonia Eddy, most famous for playing nurse Epiphany Johnson on General Hospital, has passed away. Her good friend and fellow actress Octavia Spencer announced the news on IG Tuesday. Eddy played the tough but tender-hearted daytime role for 16 years, building up legions of fans. Sonia also appeared in several films, including Inspector Gadget, Barbershop, Daddy Daycare, Bad News Bears, and Seven Pounds. Sonia Eddy died Monday at the age of 55. So far, no cause of death has been released. The NFL has lost a legend today, just as the league was set to mark his most famous plays anniversary. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Former Steelers running back Franco Harris has died at the age of 72. His family did not give a cause of death. The NFL was set to honor him against the Raiders this weekend to mark 50 years since the, quote, immaculate reception. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh had already planned to retire his jersey at the game Saturday night. Oh, that's a tough loss. All right, former Denver Broncos running back Ronnie Hillman is in hospice care. That's according to one of his former teammates. Orlando Franklin, who was an offensive tackle with the Broncos, tweeted that Hillman is, quote, not doing well. Derek Wolf, a defensive tackle from the Broncos, added on his radio show that Hillman is suffering from pneumonia and liver cancer. Hillman was the Broncos' leading rusher on their Super Bowl 50 winning team back in 2015. Hillman is 31. He spent four seasons with the Denver Broncos before spending the 2016 season with both the Vikings and the San Diego Chargers. And it's just really, uh, you know, sad to hear that uh, such a, a young man and uh, really a, a very good career, um, you know, when you when you look at um, 
uh, his accomplishments. And uh, we just send our thoughts and our prayers to, to him and his family. And then also the family of uh, Franco Harris. What a huge uh, hero. I remember yeah. being a kid. I, my daddy was a football player, a football fanatic. So I actually remember yeah. seeing that, watching on television. It was just two, four, seven. And that's all the channels you had. And it was a Sunday and you just sat there and you watched football all day. And you had some of the great announcers announcing that moment and just how ironic that he's passing pretty much almost on the eve of this celebration and there was a huge celebration planned so I know they're probably scrambling trying to figure out you know how they're going to um, you know now honor his memory yeah. my goodness but at least he lived long enough to know that he was celebrated, celebrated right and so yeah. not just the big celebration that they've been planning but to know that you know his love for the game his contribution to the game mm -hmm. that really meant something mm -hmm. to generations of folks yes. that really love football football and yeah. so uh, again really you know our, our hearts are with the family of Franco Harris. Yeah. Speaking of sports legends the daughter of boxing legend Floyd Mayweather was sentenced after pleading guilty to stabbing a woman in the home of rapper NBA young boy Ayanna Mayweather also known as Yaya received six years probation for stabbing uh, Lepatra Lachey Jacobs on April the 4th back in 2020. Now the 22 year old pled guilty to aggravated assault with a deadly weapon for stabbing Jacobs. This happened in Cypress, Texas. The then 19-year-old reportedly stabbed Jacobs after finding her in the home of her fiance at the time, young boy uh, whom she shares a child with. Now to avoid jail, Mayweather will have to abide by certain rules. She can't uh, commit another offense. Mayweather must also refrain from illegal drugs and report to a supervising officer. She must be employed or attend college full time. Mayweather must also remain within Harris County or surrounding counties and must have permission to travel. Let's hope she stays on track. That's a lot. Mm. After FTX's collapse, investors filed a lawsuit targeting several notable athletes who were spokespeople for the crypto exchange. One of them was NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal. The Basketball Hall of Famer appeared in several FTX advertisements. The suit describes O'Neal, Tom Brady, Stephen Curry, uh, David Ortiz, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and others as parties who are either controlled, promoted, assisted in, and actively participating uh, in FTX trading and FTX US transactions. O'Neill did say that he felt crypto is, quote, too good to be true. Okay, Mary J. Blige is closing out 2022 with a bang. The uh, singer just landed a new show called The Wine Down, W-I-N-E. Blige secured two television deals, a first look non-scripted and a second look scripted with her production company, Blue Butterfly. The Wine Down, which is scheduled for 2023, will be a, uh, excuse me, a part of the non-scripted deal and plans to bring together the hottest, most outspoken, highly sought after people in entertainment, sports, uh, social media, and politics. All right, voters, get ready. Afro Man has announced that he's running for president in 2024. The rapper made the big announcement this weekend at a concert of, uh, of his in uh, uh, Popular Bluff, Missouri, where he told a packed house at the Black River Coliseum about his plan to run for POTUS. Yeah, going up against the likes of Donald Trump and whoever else will be in the race. 
It's still unclear where he lands on other domestic and international issues. It's reported that he's running as an independent. All right, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back with more of Foxhole's Black Report inside of your holiday season. That's right, you don't want to miss it. Mm -hmm. Right here, right now. <laughs> All right, soulmates, through his Free Wishes Foundation, rapper Future and his family have ensured a bright holiday for several Georgia families. 1,000 families were gifted with a shopping spree for the organization's ninth annual Christmas toy drive, the I Am A Dreamer holiday pop-up at Target, uh, Free Wishes, uh, foundation was founded by the 39-year-old rapper, his sister Tia Wilburn, and his mother Stephanie Jester 13 years ago. Now throughout the year, they collectively provide scholarships, health and wellness initiatives, and assistance to senior citizens in the Atlanta area. And say what you want to say about old boy, but he definitely comes through uh, for the uh, community. Now as far as in the love department, uh, you know, the memes are fantastic. Future, future catches it with any, with love memes, but um, he has definitely been doing doing his thing as far as giving back to the community. So we definitely appreciate that. We love to see it. I mean, that is a part of who we are as a community. We appreciate folks that mm -hmm. you know sort of you know contribute some more to the well. They give mm -hmm. back, right? Mm -hmm. They don't forget where they come from, and you know they're there to 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 really bless other folks. You know who you know have done their most, done the best to bless them along the way. And All right. so, so we're at Wednesday, uh, Christmas is Sunday. Have you started, finished? What, what are you doing? No, I Ooh. have not. <laughs> you better get it together. I, I got to get, I got to get busy. I think I'm going to be stocking stocking stockings with just some cash because I haven't really started either. And I know that sounds thoughtless, but I, I just, we should do more Do cash. Cash. I'm Courtney Hicks. I'm the Cordelai Corte. Get you some cash and stuff to, <laughs> stuff to stop. Go get some gifts, y'all. Do what you can. Give from the heart, <laughs> most importantly. Stay and lifted. stay lifted. <laughs> I'm just getting some cash.